0: I feel like I need to take a deep breath now because I'm not sure where I'm headed. So let's do this. Let's pray. Uh, We're getting ready to jump into a good topic today. I'm really, really excited. So let's just pray that the Lord will be lifted up and that he'll uh, remove distractions from us. Uh, Father, I thank you for uh, this church. I thank you that you've allowed us uh, to be a part of uh, just something special that you're doing. And I pray that we really would grow to love one another and that we would be a church that confesses our sins one to another, and that we encourage one another every day, as long as it's called today, that we would, we would remind one another why we exist, and that we would worship you as a body. Lord, I pray that you would remove just stuff. I've talked to so many people. It's been such a hard week for so many people. Lord, help us to remove all of that. Help us to to hear your word as it is read, as it is taught this morning. Help us to see what's happening in Luke chapter 4 that should impact our hearts and our feet. Lord, our objective is to worship you, to magnify you, to make you great. Lord, I often will trip over my own words, so may those words quickly fall to the ground and only what is of you remain. In Christ's name we pray amen all right so let me do a quick recap we are in the realia of food and drink and i'm not going to spend a lot of time with introduction but remember realia it is um, objects and materials from everyday life that you can use as teaching aid so what we're doing is we're trying to walk through luke if you're new to redstone by the way welcome here i don't know if we have any visitors today or not Um, But we're trying to walk through Luke and look at most of, not all, but most of the times that food and drink are referenced and see how the Lord used these um, to bring about his kingdom. Okay, so there's this picture that I got this week. I wanted to show you this. I love this picture. So this is the Hampton uh, community group, and they just sent a picture to show that they were fellowshipping around food. And drink there was like three or four picks and I was like yes this is it there's so many different ways that we can do this but I'd love to see more and more of this as we continue forward Sunday mornings are great Sunday mornings are word of God centric but then after that we need to be in each other's dining rooms and in restaurants together and in coffee shops really getting to know one another Okay, as a way of review last week, we considered these bookends. We looked at Exodus and we looked at Revelation and we said, look at that, my arm is moving well. I'm just happy about that. So, after surgery. So, um, you've got these bookends and you can see that even before the law was given, there was this meal that took place with Moses and the elders. And then at the end, when it's all over, there's going to be this culmination with the marriage supper of the Lamb, and it's going to be an amazing feast. We looked at a couple of passages. We answered the question, what are the three times in the New Testament that this, um, this word these words had an answer? So the Son of Man came blank. That's what I'm trying to say. The Son of Man came what? And there were three of them. The first one, oops, I have no idea what that is up on the right just Oh, go away. Okay. So the first one, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And we said, that's the posture. That's the posture that the Lord came with. There was a posture of humility, and we must also have humility. Uh, the second one was the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Okay, to save the lost. That's the mission. The mission is that we go and that we make him known that the people would come to faith. And then the third one is the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And we said, there's a strategy, and that's what we're focused on because we're going to see that all throughout the book of Luke in different ways. Then the questions we ended with are what's your own posture? do we have a posture of humility or is it pride do we think that we have all the answers do we think that we're better than someone else you see someone struggling in sin they cuss every other breath they've got an addiction or whatever it is do you somehow think that you're better than them once we get to that point we're no good we must understand our own brokenness before we're ever going to be able to connect to humanity and show them the light of the gospel of glory of christ so humility is key what's our own posture what's our own mission are we on mission are you on mission? Am I on mission? And then lastly, do you have a strategy? Is there any strategy that you have that is, that is incorporated into your week where you're not just waking up and living life, but you actually are being intentional with relationships, with meetings, with people that you're praying for, or whatever? So that's pretty much a summary of what we discussed last week. Today we're going to look at two different passages and some more here and there, but we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 4. So if you will, turn in your Bibles, open up your worship guide, or fix your eyes up here. This is Luke 4. I'm going to go ahead and read the whole passage, okay? but we're going to really focus in on one or or two specific areas. This is Luke 4, 1 through 15. All the scripture is God breathed, so we're hearing the word of God. So let's receive it as such. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit... Returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. We'll definitely come back to that in a bit. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you're the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Okay, picking up in verse number 8. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Note, we're not teaching this this morning, but just notice he's always going back to the Word of God and he's quoting the Word of God. You've got to stick that into your heart and use that on a regular basis. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. So here's the enemy quoting the Word of God. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you uh, strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Okay, so everybody knows this story. Jesus was just baptized by John the Baptist, and as soon as he is baptized, before he embarks upon his ministry, he goes, because he's led by the Spirit, to go into the wilderness for 40 days. And it says that he was tempted by the devil while he was there. I don't want to spend too much time trying to unpack everything that is within this uh, this passage, but there's this kind of an understanding. It was the Spirit of God who led him here, and it was a spirit who was well aware of what was going to happen. He was led to the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil throughout that whole time frame. So my first kind of you know, full stop as I was preparing and thinking about this is why would we think that the same won't happen to us today? Why would we think that if you'll just turn your lives over to Christ— that there won't be times of testing or temptation or spiritual warfare. Brandon pointed out to me this week, and he was so right, in the book of James it says that God himself tempts no one. That is so true. God's not going to tempt us, but God knows our enemy. He knows that our enemy will attack us, and we are attempting, or God is attempting to consecrate us, and we're attempting to consecrate ourselves for his purposes, And the enemy will attack us when that is happening, when we're tired, when we're lonely, when we're hungry, or whatever. So the question is, would the Spirit of God in his sovereignty allow these things, these open doors for the enemy to tempt us and to try us? Did he know that Jesus going into the wilderness was going to be tempted for 40 days during his fast? And I would suggest that yes, our sovereign Lord did know that, and he did allow this there will be testings there will be purgings those that know him know this to be true and understand that that was the will of the father here in luke 4. it was the holy spirit leading him there to prepare him for ministry to prepare him for this purpose to strengthen him to allow him to be tested and ultimately and hear me on this church To show the enemy that the true presentation of the Word of God and the Son of God will always triumph over the enemy himself. We don't always present the gospel and the Christian walk in such a way that we prepare people for what they're getting ready to step into, the struggle. But it is real. How many times? Have you or I or people that you know, they've come to Christ and soon after, they go through it. I mean, they lose their friends, there's loneliness, there's sickness, there's heartache, there's temptation or whatever. You know, and look at your own life. Can you look back on when you came to Christ? Do you see this wilderness experience that that many of you, I did, experience soon after giving your life to Christ? Whether we like it or not, That's typically when we grow the best. We are weak when we are strong. His grace is sufficient for us. Um, His power is perfected in our weaknesses, and the enemy will attack us, but only because the sovereign Lord will allow it. If you truly set yourself aside for the work of God, if you give your life fully to him, the enemy is going to come against you. Period. It is then that we, like Christ, must remind ourselves and the enemy of the truths of God's word and how this whole thing ends. And when we do, the enemy will eventually back down and he will leave us, dot, 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 for a season. He won't leave you alone, but for a season, he will. Okay, I want to move on a bit because I don't want to necessarily spend all of our time on this whole temptation passage, but the passage that we've chosen is there because of the realia of food and drink. So I want us to look at the food references that are in this passage. So go back to verses 1 and 2. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit to the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry." Okay, so we'll go back to he ate nothing in a few moments, but first, doesn't it just do your heart good? It does mine to see that Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, humbled himself and took on full humanity to the degree that he who needs nothing made himself so that he would get hungry just like we do. This is a complete side note, but did you, some of you guys are doing the CBR community Bible reading, and this week we were in Luke 24, and I was so frustrated. And I asked this question of some of you guys that I'm in CBR with and my family. I said, why did Jesus, this is again Luke 24, why did Jesus in verse number 41, after being resurrected from the dead, and he presents himself to his disciples, why did he appear to them and say, do you have anything to eat or ask, do you have anything to eat? I just didn't get that. I was struggled with that. He's resurrected. Why is he coming before the disciples and saying, you got anything to eat? I'm hungry. You know, and there was like silence. There was crickets. Nobody responded except for my wife. And she said, because it has been a long day and he was hungry. And I was like, okay. Jerry sometimes overthinks things. And that was just so good for my heart. It did, I, there's still a struggle there, the resurrected Christ being hungry. You know, and then her second question was, will we eat in heaven? I'm like, well, yeah, she's okay. I'm like, oh, you're right. Let me just move on. Let me get away from this. So, Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted, or in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He knew what it was like to be hungry and thirsty and tired and rejected and what it was like to face temptation during those times of weakness. Look at the next two verses. 3 and 4, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you're the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. So the enemy, in essence, is saying, if you're hungry, then just go ahead and create bread for yourself and eat. You've got the power to do so if you are the eternal Son of God. So just create with your powers something to satisfy your hunger. But Jesus says no to self and yes to his kingdom call. He refuses to use his power for his own personal gain. In the same way that when he's on the cross and they're saying, if you're really the Son of God, call call angels to you know pull you from the cross and he chose not to instead he overcomes the temptations of the enemy and then after 40 days of fasting and trials and temptation he begins his ministry and you can see it in the verses that follow he goes back into town and he begins to heal he begins to teach he begins to call the disciples i think in chapter 5 so he begins his ministry remember when we talked i guess it was three weeks ago now In John chapter 4, the preface to this sermon series, and I use this passage, Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's what's happening here. Jesus was hungry, and yes, the enemy tried to take advantage of that, but Jesus had something to chew on that was so much better, saying no to self and yes to the kingdom. And that is his call for us to do the same. If you fill filling the blanks, if you're one of those people, we've got it in the worship guide. I'm going to give you three today. Here's your first one. Truth number one, our kingdom appetites must outweigh our fleshly appetites. Our kingdom appetites, our hunger for the things of God and to, to do the work that he's called us to do and to finish his work that must always outweigh what our fleshly appetites are. I mean, this is where we hit pause when we consider, you know, how do I, or what do I long for beyond Christ himself and his kingdom? How do I want to be identified beyond being accepted, loved, and forgiven by the creator of the universe? What's greater to me that I need more so than being a member of the family of God? Or do I see the lure of happiness in the flesh, and I run for that, and then in the end, I find that it never satisfies? You know, there's a you know, confession in my own heart here. I'm a, I was just a little distraught when I was thinking about these things in my own life. I'm like, man, I'm a dreamer. I am. I love events. I put things on the calendar. Sometimes when I'm stressed and overwhelmed, I find myself running to experiences experiences, instead of running to Him. I was just so convicted this week in thinking about that in my own life. I'm like Peter. Peter's like, I'll never disown you. I'll never walk away. I'll stay with you no matter what. I will die for you. You are all that I need. And then my actions reveal a heart that's not quite as dedicated to my lord as i thought that it was so it's a good time to reflect and to ask am i really focused on the kingdom or not the realia of food and drink connection here is that jesus said no to food which i think represents his flesh in this instance because his heart was directed to the father and to the kingdom cause his heart was directed to his mission, those he came to save. He had been led by the Spirit by the, whole, you know, by the Spirit in pressure, preparation for ministry that he was getting ready to step into. This 40 days and 40 nights, it was a real struggle, a real battle. He was hungry, yet he denied himself. He said no to the flesh. He said yes to the Father and yes to his kingdom call. And eventually the enemy gave up for a season. And what was the kingdom call? Well, if you look at the next verses, he begins to unfold some of that. Look at 17 through 21. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. So he's back in town now. That moment's over. He's back in town. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. So he goes into the synagogue. He unrolls the scroll, found the place where it was written The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The Father has anointed him, I'm the one, to proclaim good news to the the poor, that I have been sent to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the Lord's favor that he would make, A way of access for broken, foolish, stupid people that are at enmity with God to be at fellowship with their Creator forever and ever and declared righteous and holy. Man, you talk about a a drop the mic moment. Jesus says, Today this scripture has been fulfilled, and you're hearing, and He sits down. I'm the one. Everything that you read about in Scripture has been pointing to me. You know, you remember, you know, Jesus has said that before. You you diligently study the Scriptures because you think in them that you have eternal life. He says, but these are the Scriptures that speak of me. And Isaiah was pointing to this moment and pointing to this person that was going to come. The eternal Son of God has arrived and Jesus says, after my 40 days of being tested and tried, the Spirit of God is upon him. He says, I'm ready. This moment has arrived going back to last week, what is our mission? Isn't it to do the same? Hasn't the Lord called us to proclaim good news? That's what gospel means. Good news, to proclaim liberty, which means freedom. You know, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Free, not in bondage. Your guilt can't do anything for the mistakes that you've made. Aren't we to take the scales off of people's eyes so that they can see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ? To set free from those who are oppressed, stuck in their sin? That's our call. And that means that along the way, we too are going to be tempted by the devil. He will entice us, he will entice us to partake in all that this world has to offer. And he promises that it will satisfy us. But our truth number one says our kingdom appetites must outweigh our fleshly appetites. So take stock before we move forward. How are you and I doing on gospel mission? How are you and I doing saying no to the flesh so that we can say yes to the kingdom? Do we find that our first priority is to satisfy our own desires? Or is, it to get, or is our gaze fixed upon the kingdom? I'm asking all of us to prayerfully consider that this morning. And where repentance is needed, let's repent well. And let's cling to Christ. Now, going back to the passage, this passage doesn't teach, and it's not saying that... We have to fast all of the time and we can't eat when we're hungry because we're Christians. That would negate the whole sermon series because we're going to see that his primary strategy throughout this, you know, the book of Luke, but all of the other, you know, uh, gospels as well, is that he uses food as a tool to connect with people and to teach about himself and to reveal, you know, truths to them. But it does mean that we'll be tempted to find our sustenance and purpose in something other than or someone other than Christ and his kingdom. And that we'll be tempted to put self first to get us off course. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. It's the same enticements that the enemy presented to Adam and Eve in the garden, which essentially is saying, put self first. You can have God second, but put self first. But Jesus shows a better way. He reminds us in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom, and then all of these other things that you need, they'll be met by him. They'll be granted by him. Now, for the sake of time, I've got to get off that particular passage because there's another important one and two more truths I need us to see at the end of chapter 4. So, if you'll notice, if you're looking at your Bibles, that in verse 31, Jesus is had the drop the mic moment he says this has been fulfilled in me and then he begins to go and he begins to to teach and he begins to heal he needs he begins to reveal who he is in a mighty way that catches people's attention and then in verses 38 and 39 he finds his way in simon's house look at this 38 and 39 and he arose and left the synagogue and entered simon's house now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a fever and they appealed to him on her behalf and he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Okay, so first what, I'm, what I want to do is reiterate what I was saying earlier because it's linked to his actions here that we're going to talk about which is that Jesus had said no to the flesh and the temptations that were before him because he was preparing himself for the ministry, the kingdom ministry that was before him. And now we begin to see what his service to others was going to look like. So before we go further into what's happening in Simon's mother-in-law's house, let's look at our truth number two, if you're filling in the blanks. Truth number two, Jesus chose not to serve himself so that he could say yes to serving others. Simple, yet so kingdom-centric and profound. Jesus chose not to serve himself so that he could say yes to serving others. Going back to the mission passage that we looked at last Sunday, in Mark 10, 45, it says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve, and that's what he's doing. I'm saying no to food, and then I'm revealing myself by ministering to the needs of the people when he gets back into Nazareth, and then he goes into Simon's house, and he's showing himself to be the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. He's showing that he has power over sickness. He has power over demons. And then he'll continue to show that he has power over and authority over sin itself. He's the only one who can look at us in our eyes, no matter what we've done, and say, your sins are forgiven. I mean, how powerful is that? That's what Jesus is doing. He's like, okay, my time's come. I said no to self, because now I'm going to go set people free. It's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And he served her, in this case, by by healing her. Now, here's the kicker. And the other important thing that I want us to see, notice Simon's mother-in-law's response. Take a look at verse number 39 again. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. Do you see that? She's taking a page out of Jesus' mission playbook and she's going on mission herself. And what's her, borrowing from last week, what's her strategy? Service. Service. Service to Jesus and service to others as well. And even though it doesn't say so uh, specifically here, it's very much implied that her service strategy involved providing food and drink to her guests. It's like she's saying... Oh, I feel so much better now. My strength has returned. Can I get you a cup of tea or maybe a little coffee? How about if I whip up some soup, beans, and cornbread? You know, she just immediately takes this response to her fever, and she begins to serve. I love that. It's such a simple thing, but it's so profound, and it's beautiful. Her response was not, I was sick. Ah, I feel so much better now, and I'm going to get back to my schedule, my agenda, my life. No, no, no. Her response was to turn around and to serve Christ and to serve others. She got it. When we receive and experience the grace of Jesus, it absolutely has to change our behavior. It has to. If it's not making us servants, humble, thankful, willing servants, then we're completely missing it. We can learn so much from Simon's mother-in-law here. And my prayer is, and my prayer has been this week, that this would sink into our hearts, that we would understand. This is not just a sermon series. This kind of a series, looking at Jesus' mission and looking at his strategies and looking at his posture, if it could just find its way into our very pores, we would be a people that serve Jesus and that serve others. Luke twenty-two, twenty-four through 27 says this, A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. Here they are, wanting to be the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you, Jesus follower. doesn't say that, that's me. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? And he says, but I am among you as the one who serves. Jesus over and over is reminding and continues to remind throughout the Gospels that he came to serve and that his posture, borrowing from last week, is one of humility. I love this passage. Do I have this one up here? I think I do, yeah. Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count other people more significant than yourselves. If I didn't read anything else, if we just stopped right there, And so, why don't we make this one verse our life mission? Let's see if we can live this out every day for the next month. And then let's come back and talk about what the Lord did. What did we see? What did we learn? In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. What would that look like? But let's continue. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He took on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The selfishness of mankind is easily seen when we make everything about self. Primarily living for self and us sitting on the throne. My life, my body, my time, my money. It's a Burger King, have it your way mentality for living life. However, when we see and understand the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, as 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, we understand it's the love of Christ that compels us to live differently. It compels us. It shows us. It reminds us that we now belong to another, that we live for other purposes. It compels us to live for someone other than ourselves. It compels us to walk in humility, to empty ourselves, to take on the role of, Of a servant for that is now who we are and that is now what we do we now exist to serve the Savior and we reflect hear me church we reflect that we're serving the Savior and that kingdom call by how we choose to serve one another that's how we count others as more significant than ourselves and how we look to the interest of others above our own And Simon's mother-in-law showed us, just as this study hopefully will show us, that this service oftentimes uses the realia, the tools of food and drink. Her response to the grace shown by Jesus leads to what will be our final truth of the day. Truth number three. True gospel understanding, let it sink in, will always lead to a life of serving Jesus, comma, and a life of serving Jesus is primarily shown by a life of serving others. True gospel understanding, if we get it, not cognitively, but it finds its way into our hearts, then we walk away from that that gospel belief moment where we cling to the gospel, we receive his forgiveness, and we allow that to sink into our hearts, and then we go to his word, and we recognize, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Jesus Christ now lives in me. And if Jesus Christ is living in me, He who came not to be served but to serve will want to serve through you and through me. In other words, a gospel-centered life will always be a life of serving others. It says that immediately she rose and began to serve them. And if we could just taste and see the magnitude of this glorious gospel that we proclaim this morning and the healing and the freedom that we receive through this gospel, our response would be and will be the same. Just as she rose from her bed, immediately we would begin, or many of us would continue, living a life of serving others. For in doing so, we make Christ real to these people in this world who are starving for an answer, that are longing for hope beyond what this world has given to them. We began today by looking at Jesus as being hungry, but in this case, he said no to bread, so that he could say yes to laying down his life for others. The call is, Redstone Church Elizabethan, may we do likewise. Likewise. Let's not make it more complex than what it is. Let's consider our three truths, and then I want to close with a couple of application questions. You've already seen these. Truth number one our kingdom appetites must outweigh our fleshly appetites. Truth number two Jesus chose not to serve himself so that he could say yes to serving others. And then truth number three true gospel understanding will always lead to a life of serving Jesus. And the life of serving Jesus is primarily shown by a life of serving others. And serving them, utilizing food and drink is a great way to go about it. Okay, so a couple questions. Here's the Word of God. As best as prayerfully I could take it and work my way through it and pray over it and put it on paper and present it to you. This is the message that I think that the Lord had for us. So you've heard the Word this morning. In your hearts... How is it impacting you? Is it impacting you? Are you convicted like I was and still am? Have you been reminded of your gospel, your kingdom call? Does this make you think of those who do this well? Do you see people that are just servants at heart and we long to be like them? To me, it's all three. I'm terribly convicted terribly convicted, convicted that I live way too much for myself, reminded that our true kingdom call will always include serving others, considering the needs of others, saying no to self so that I can say yes to the kingdom. Second question, or series of questions maybe, what might, or maybe what will, your personal real-life application be? to what you are hearing this morning. Who could you, who should you serve this week? If we're taking this series and if we're walking away saying, oh, that was insightful, I hadn't thought of it that way, and then we walk out the door and we go live the next six, seven days, month, year, by not dying daily, is what Scripture says to ourselves, denying ourselves daily, seeking the kingdom, finding ways to truly love others and serve others, then I would go so far as to say that our Christianity and our belief is a farce. That was strong. That's not in my notes. But it's not real. It's not real unless it lives itself out, unless this Christ is truly within you, and if he's really within you, he longs to love other people and to serve them. Let's pray. May the Lord meet each of us where we are this morning. May our posture be of humble servants as we leave here today. I would suggest let's take a few moments just to be still before the Lord. I'm looking at my watch, and I think we'll take a few moments just to pass the mic and see what kind of response before we step back into worship. Now, Lord, just meet us where we are. May we cling to the hope of the gospel and this gospel call in our lives. Stir us however you choose to. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we've been doing some other things and we haven't really had time to pass the mic. We've got a little bit of time. I want to protect our Camp Redstone workers because I know that they're back there with your alls kiddos and we don't want to stay too late. So Hebrews tells us to encourage one another every day, as long as it's called today. We come into a Sunday like this, to hear the word of God, to to worship the Lord, to be reminded of what he's called us to do, but also to be encouraged, to be challenged, to be convicted, to repent and to repent well. And we'll take communion in a moment, okay? In fact, we're gonna do that. Who's our communion workers today? Are you guys ready? If you go ahead and get your stuff ready. So I'm gonna ask them while we're doing this, response to go ahead and pass out communion elements so we won't go into stations today. That's okay. You can just stay in your seat. So we're going to kill two birds with one stone. But in a moment, we'll be reminded of communion, through communion, of this the truths of the gospel, and then we'll go out of here ready to go. Okay. So, but in the meantime, so if you've got questions about, you know, application or does this verse really say or whatever, just, see me about that kind of stuff but this is more of what's happening in your heart what's an encouraging word what's a story or a scripture or just a word that you can have for this body i am so reminded and i've had so many meetings this week and in each one of these meetings i'm reminded that the church of christ is organic that jesus christ has to be leading redstone elizabethan it cannot be contingent upon jerry or elders or anything else Christ is doing a work here, and you all are as much as a part of what Jesus is doing here as I am. So you've got a voice, the Lord is using you, and man, you can really spur one another on to love and good deeds just with your word. So Dale, you got a mic? So if anyone has a response, if your heart's just going pitter-patter and you're like, I gotta say this, then this is a moment for you. So anybody want to share? Okay, Okay, carry in the back. You're next. Get your hand ready.
1: So uh, last year I was frustrated on a very fleshly level by my weight. And so in January I decided I'm going to cut out all sugar and I'm going to eat healthy. And the surprise of that has been that I realized that I had turned to food and sugar and coffee and Starbucks and everything else instead of God. So on a hard day, I would reward myself, or it's been a hard week, I'm going to go do this. Yeah. And taking that away revealed that I wasn't expecting that. I was just thinking, oh, I'm just going to get healthy, this is yep. going to be good. And, um, and I think it's interesting how, and that and tying into CBR and all that, that um, just how easy it is for us to rely on things other than God and how the flesh so quickly takes over. Mm. And you just think, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just, it's just a cup of coffee or it's just, you know, a donut. Um, but Jesus is the one who has, this has, been a, this has been a hard month, you know. My mom had her hip replaced this week. I mean, it's just been a lot of things. God has sustained where I would have normally turned to other things to food so um i was reminded of that this morning and i was really thankful and it's something that instead of stopping it at the end of the month i've continued because i i have enjoyed so much that fellowship with jesus instead
0: yeah amen yeah thanks carrie that's a real live application right there who else oh we got adam's over here afterward kathy
2: just, I'll keep it quick. Um, I've always struggled with the story of um, Simon's mother-in-law being healed um, because it seems like the very oppressed woman thing to do to just say, oh, I'm better now, so I have to get up and make you food. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always really struggled with that. And, and Satan has always kind of used that, um, we'll call it false feminism, yeah. um, in my heart to kind of make me struggle with certain passages um, to see women as oppressed in the Bible when they really aren't, <laughs> um, and I love stories of strong women, strong women in the Bible, but now just seeing that as a response, a willing response of gratitude instead of a subservient, mm. oppressed response from that woman um, is really helpful to and to see myself as being able to serve in that way um, and it not be. A bad thing for it to be a beautiful gracious thing that is a gift from God to be able to to serve in gratitude is is really helpful for me
0: yeah amen that's good Kathy I know Adam's over here I don't know if there's anybody else over here or not but so this summer while you're walking we're going to do in the the month of July we're going to do a sermon series and we're going to look at uh, thanks to the recommendation of our Camp Redstone director we're going to look at strong women in the Bible and we're just going to talk about that. We figured that would be a, a something that we've never done before that might be healthy for the body to see how the Lord uses women and just talking about complementarianism and all those great things. Okay, so we got Adam. Is that right?
3: Okay. Yeah, I think even just tag-teaming off of what Kathy was saying, but um, maybe just in the full scope of women, men, all of us. I, I've, I've heard the term a lot, you know, hurt people, hurt people. And then, you know, you can just keep saying hurt people, hurt people, who hurt people. And, and that is true. Um, and we talk about that a lot, but this morning has reminded me the flip side of that coin that serve, served people, serve people and forgiven people. That's good stuff,
0: man. That's a t-shirt right there. Yeah. I love I that. that. <laughs> yeah, Keep um, on going. Just ahead. I'm trying I'm to sorry. support.
3: I just want to raise some money for the avocados. So yes. f-
0: <laughs> serve people, serve people,
3: but and forgiven people, forgive. Jesus said that those have been forgiven much, forgive yeah. much. And he tells this yeah. beautiful parable of, the man who'd been forgiven so much and this mm-hmm. un, you know, uh, imaginable debt, and then he didn't respond appropriately because then he went to the person that owed him, you know, just a day's wage, and he was like, "Hey, you got to pay." And the guy's like, "I can't pay," and so he yeah. throws him in jail. And then the King comes and was like, "Did you not realize? Do you not? Has it not applied to your heart the amount mm-hmm. you've been forgiven?" And so, I think as Christians, that truth applies wh- whether we're forgiving others, whether we're serving others. Like we're talking about, even serving people in a lot of ways, but specifically for this morning in this series, thinking about ways to serve people with food and drink, and um, just meeting needs and and living that out. I just think it's easy to look on the negative side of the flip side and talk about, well, yes, it is true, hurt people do hurt people, but Jesus is bringing a new kingdom and He's ushering it in now, and so we are we serve out of joy because we've been served more than we could ever imagine.
0: Yeah. Amen. Such good stuff. Anyone else? I took the
1: mic. Oh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna. If you're okay with it, I'm gonna make McKenzie our last one for today.
1: I was just gonna say, um, as soon as you know you start to pray and reflect, my mind immediately goes to how can I add this to my to-do list. Yeah. And okay, I. Literally this morning, I was like, I cannot add anything else to my to-do list. Hmm. And then in this moment, I'm like, okay, who can I serve this week? What do I need to do? Hmm. And then just so quickly, the lies of the enemy of you need to do this better. You need to do this better. You should do this. And I just felt in that moment, it, the Lord just comes in as is like, it's not you. It's, hmm. it's yet not I, but through Christ in me. And that yeah. spiritual food and showing up for time with him is comes from an, the service comes from an overflow of our hearts not just adding something to the list to check it off
0: so yeah amen in colossians somewhere i want to say 317 but that's probably not right it says that we're to work with all of his energy it's not us you know it's him working through us so yeah don't turn it into a okay we've heard this Sermon this morning, and now we've got to like change what we do. So, I've got to come up with 10 people to serve this week. It's you know, I said organic church, it's organic Christian lives as well. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have a strategy because that would negate everything I said last week about strategy. I think we do need to have a strategy, but that strategy has to be about serving other people and connecting with people and getting in front of people. So, lots more that could be said. The ponderings and the stirrings in our heart will continue. Let's let that find its way into coffee conversations tables community groups or whatever but it cannot be ah that was good that was very helpful and then we forget about it and we set it aside and then we go to another topic next week that cannot happen with this series this series we feel like that the lord has given it to us to to mobilize us if you will there's things that need to be done for the kingdom and how can we go about doing that well it starts with our posture you know it starts with us being on mission and then it began and then it gets, continues forward with these strategies that we have all right so